0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we pray today that you would drop a seed in our hearts also in your word. Let your word serve as a lamp unto our feet that we might not sin against you. We pray that you would bless your word and that it would be a good seed planted in a good heart that would give forth good fruit, Lord. Lord, the world is dying and going to hell in a handbasket because we Christians don't get serious about our God and serving you with authenticity, with genuineness. The Jehovah Witness is out there standing, knocking from door to door. The Mormons are riding their bicycles. The witches are dropping off their witchcraft at the intersections all throughout the city. You have the new age that continue to chant and pursue their idolatry, but Christians don't want to come to their God and to serve Him with excellence. So we pray that today you might open up our eyes and show us out of your word priorities that we might prosper and be blessed, that we might be a blessing to our families, to our communities, to our city, to our nation, that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of our Lord, that our sons might not be affected by deception and falsity and worldliness, Lord, that they not be ensnared by the devil's offense and scandal. We pray that you would allow your word to be a double-edged sword in our hearts and operate on us today so that we might once and for all be confronted with your goodness. We pray that your blessing would be upon us as we honor your word and keep your commandments and that they might prosper in our lives, that we leave a descendant of children, sons and daughters that honor you and serve the one true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We go back to 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 3. We visited this last week. We were talking about how it has always been an issue with Israel with God's people, that they don't seem to know who God is, they don't seem to have teachers, pastors that teach, and they seem to not keep the word of God. Uh, is it First Chronicles? I'm sorry. Let me look that up real quick. Um, as we're looking at this, it's First Chronicles 15. As we look upon these scriptures, we see that, um, let me get the verse for you real quick before we continue. (laughs) These three aspects of our lives have been an issue even going back to 3,000 years where we have distorted God. Second Chronicles, fifteen three. Second Chronicles, fifteen three. There it is. A long time. Say with me. A long time. Israel has been without a true God, without teaching from their pastor, and without the law. So we'll work it backwards. If you brought your Bible today, you could raise your hand. Not many of you. Um, The majority of you don't have a Bible, so you can't follow along. You cannot underline. Um, I'm I'm the most hated guy in Miami because I remind you of the things you're supposed to do. You'd rather go to a church where you can stay there the whole time and continue to not do the things God wants. Without a teaching priest, uh, in the last days, the Bible says that people will not want a pastor to tell them what the Bible says. They will mount up huge amounts of pastors that will tell them things that they want to hear, not things they don't want to hear. And a lot of people in our day and age want to hear everything's okay. Um, you're, you're, you seem to be doing uh, good in that regard, um, But the truth of the matter is that we're in dire straits, uh, totally distant from God's heart for our lives and what He wants. Um, I want to find this verse real quick before we go forward. Um, That you might perceive that we're living in some perilous times and uh, people do not want to be able to know what God says uh, so that they're not committed to it. Uh, I'm terrified to get to heaven and have God look me square in the eyes and say, don't call me Lord, Lord. Depart from me. I never knew you. The word knew is I was never close to you. You never, you never were fulfilling my purpose. Without the true God, the Bible says, without a teaching priest, and without the law. Those three items of which we have decided uh, this month in October to deal with uh, the issue of a shepherd. What is it that a shepherd is called to do? Last week, if you were here, we talked about 10 things that a shepherd will defend you from. The 10 things, real quickly, is rebellion because he'll teach you submission. He'll teach you authority. He'll teach you that there has to be one person at least upon the earth. Not in heaven, on the earth, at least one person that could testify that you listen to somebody. I had a woman call me six months ago, and she says, uh, I've known you for 28 years, and I want you to start being my pastor. She said, we, we've met right when we became Christians a long time ago. And when she calls me out of the blue, she says, my life has been a disaster. I need you to be my pastor. I said, I, I will be your pastor if you give me the name and the number of one person that you listen to upon the earth. Give me one name and one number of somebody that says that you listen because you're not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my time with people that don't listen, that don't want to be led. Uh, That is the condition of our our world. Um, You should have a list of, of more than one. I was telling the people last week when I got married, I wanted to make sure there were 15 pastors at my wedding. Giving me a green light and a thumbs up. I want men ar- around my life that are telling me you're doing good, you're walking with God. Uh, it's a terrible thing to be married to a woman who wants her husband to have no accountability because she is the witch in the house. She's the full head of c- accountability. You just talk with her because she's right before the throne room of God. She doesn't need a pastor, she doesn't need a teaching priest. She's right there, she's just right there. And the truth is that that's a curse. It's a curse for you to be upon the earth without honoring a man of God. I want to get to heaven and have my pastor speak on my behalf. How many think that that's a good thing? When you turn around and say, hey, don't ask me any questions, ask my pastor. He'll tell you how I honored God, he'll tell you how I lived for God's glory. And so he'll be doing the speaking. And Jesus says he's an advocate before the Father. He wants to testify on your behalf. That's why the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you're walking right amongst men, then I will make sure that my Father knows that you're solid and that you're true. So all these things are there for us to live by. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 it says the end of all things is at hand. If you're waiting and I had somebody say that to me recently, they told me, "Don't worry, right before I die, I will get ready with the Lord." I was like, "Listen, my Bible says the end of all things is at hand." If you had a Bible here today, you would underline it. And when your friends ask you, "Do you think this is the end of times?" You say, yeah, and how do you know? Because my Bible says the end of all things is at hand. That means it's within reach. That means it's not far. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, what should be our attitude? Serious and watchful. If you hang around with people like the clown around, if you hang around with people that are not careful, we were crossing the street in Havana at night, and some bicycle was coming 100 miles an hour. And my friend wasn't looking. And I pushed him out of the way. And I got clocked. I got run over. You want to have somebody that's watching for you in the times where nobody is watching. When I go up to this guy with the chains, I say, listen, if I don't tell you, who's going to tell you? If I don't call your attention that you're a, a slave, that you're serving the wrong God. I said, I will introduce you to someone that will make you free. If the son makes you free, you will be free indeed, the Bible says. If Jesus is able to come into your life, he's going to cut off the chains. Therefore, be serious. The African word that Bishop Wellington Boone taught us was when he went to Africa, they would say, booga booga. And booga booga in that language means serious, serious. I want to be known for being Serious. I think that that's why my children, my children and I, we laugh all the time. We have a great time. But when it comes to God, we're as serious as serious can be. I taught my children from a young age, play with everything, but don't play with the things of God. Play soccer, play baseball, play basketball, play in the park. But when it comes to God, don't play games. Be serious. And that's what the Bible says our attitude should be right before the Lord's coming. 1 Peter. 4-7, be serious and watchful and get into an intimate life of prayer. The 10 things that we talked about a pastor helping you with is rebellion. He'll help you with that. With darkness, with selfishness, with your love growing cold, with being a mocker and cynical, with doing family With church attendance, faithfulness, with deception, people are believing more in zombies in our days than any other thing, with fear and worry, and with earthly-driven priorities and schedule. A lot of people say, I can't do what God has called me to do because I'm too busy. Busy doing what? And is that busyness going to keep you from being ready at the Lord's return? I don't want anything to keep us from that. Um, last year our house burnt out and we're a couple of weeks from going back home. Thank the Lord. Absolutely. And we're super thankful for all of those of you that have participated in the reconstruction. This has been 14 months of reconstruction. We've had men yesterday. They worked like animals. They were there from nine o'clock in the morning to about 11 o'clock at night. And we just, it, it seems like there's no end in sight, but we, we could see it, uh, within the next couple of weeks, we could see the end drawing near and we'll move back home. But during this whole time, you see all manner of of people participating. And even while we were going through the burning down of our house, we did not stop. Um, They said, Pastor, don't preach tomorrow. Your house just burned down tonight. You don't have to preach. It was Saturday night. You don't have to preach Sunday morning. Listen, there's nothing more serious. Not even my house burning down will keep me from serving the Lord. There's nothing more serious than serving God. And, and there, there's 5,000 opportunities to excuse, well, I'll take a month off because this is traumatic. No way. I, don't, I can't afford it. I can't afford to take God's time off because when he comes, I want to leave with him. We talked about last week that they came to Mexico a couple of years ago and they told Pastor Medieros. And he said, listen to me. We don't understand the seventh trumpet of the gospel of revelations. There when the angel blows the seventh trumpet, could you explain that to me? He goes, no, because I'm leaving on the first trumpet. When Jesus' trumpet blows, I'm not going to be here for number seven. I'll let you figure that out. There's some people that want to play theology. Some people want to be ready at the Lord's coming. And let me just tell you, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Bring that at the top of your priority before you find yourself entangled with a nightmare that's going to befall the earth in a second. So God's priority is that shepherds would shepherd his sheep. John chapter 21 verse 15, Jesus had finished eating and he turns to Peter and says, do you love me? What is the standard of God's love? What would God have you do to really show chapter 21 of John? Jonah's fine, but John 21 15, and there Jesus turns to Peter and says, do you really love me, Peter? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then concentrate on my sheep, on my lambs. Put your focus and attention on my people. You know why we don't? Because it's like shepherding a Leviathan. It's like trying to uh, reach out to people that do not appreciate you reaching out to them. I had one man, he called me. He says, listen, why does Pastor Oscar continue to call me? He called the senior pastor to ask why an associate pastor continued to call him. I said, I don't know. Maybe he cares about you. (laughs) I'll ask him not to care about you anymore. I'll ask him not to call you no more. Maybe you'll feel better like that. A lot of you feel better when the pastor doesn't call, doesn't ask, is not attentive. But if you love God, your attention is on the sheep. If this was a Christian church, I'd have at least a thousand amens. When you hear God's word, you have to shout amen at the top of your lungs or your son is going to look at you and say, dad's a wimp. Dad doesn't believe what Jesus says. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. A little better. We've got two of them. Come on, Mama Bear. You could help little baby come along. Come on, go you say? Come on, honey. Dale papi que tu puedes. That's the Cuban tradition. Dale papi que tu puedes. A mí. ¿Qué dijiste? A ver, a ver. Maybe. Peter, verse sixteen. The next verse. He said to him again, the second time, Simon. Son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me? Is there some affection here coming my way? Because I see you going everywhere. But do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Tend is a work in progress. Because sheep are a lot of work. None of the sheep are saying amen. The shepherds will say amen in a heartbeat. He said to him, tend to my sheep. Do you love me? Second time. Third time, verse 17. Jesus is not convinced that Peter understands. And he said to him the third time, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me, Sebastian? Do you love me? No, Lord. I'm angry right now. I'm upset. Don't have time to love you. Peter was grieved; he had to be sad when Jesus is saying, "Do you love me?" And you don't love him, and he's sad, and he said to him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." And the third time, you guys, uh, let's put up verse 17, please. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. He was sad because he said to him a third time. And Jesus asking you the same question for three times. You have to be concerned because you're not coming and delivering the goods. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said the number three times, pull your attention where I have my attention. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Do you guys know why? I became a pastor. Does anybody know why? Because I love Jesus. That's the only reason. I don't have any other reason but to show my love for God. And so I have phone calls throughout my life. Hey, are you crazy? You know what it is to deal with people's problems? You know what it is to to schedule your time around people? It's a headache. I know. (laughs) Hey, you don't know people's problems? Jesus knows too. And he needs somebody to concern himself about his sheep. And I know there's goats. I know there's goats. We've had some goat rallies, goat barbecues. We've had some goat chilindron. Chilindron de chivo. Listen, where is your heart with regards to God's people? Hey, I have people describe what a travesty it is to deal with sheep. Have you ever had somebody come near you and say, man, he, he came last week and he promised that he promised that he's promised that forever, ever, 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 ever again. I'm like, what? I was talking to Pastor Jose, right? We were, we were, he says, when he says, when somebody comes and says, Pastor, count on me. He goes, wait, 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 wait. Let me take a picture of you, please, because I'll never see you again. <laughs> I need to take a picture of you, please. So pastor will pull out his Polaroid and go, click. And then at least he sees him. He'll put him right there. Oh, he's here. Whew. Put his picture on the chair. He's here. Guy is made out like a bandit. Why? I don't know. That's a mystery. And so there it is, First Peter chapter five, verse one. That Paul, that, that P- Peter writes these words, he says, "The elders who are among you, I exhort you. I also am an elder in the things of the Lord." Who who are these guys that are shepherding the sheep? Listen, out there they talk bad about shepherds everywhere you go. There's not one place that you could go on the earth that they're going to tell you the shepherd is good. They steal money, they don't work, they're lazy, uh, they don't do nothing, all they do is judge, all they do is preach. And, and you, you see them, um, I refuse for anybody to talk bad about a pastor to my life. So about six months ago, they called me to a television program. They said, we want you to tell us about Creflo Dollar. He's a pastor in Georgia, and he's buying a $60 million airplane. I said, I'll, I'll be there, we'll talk about it. And so they set me up, and they go, okay, this Miami pastor is going to talk to Miami about these bad pastors. And I said, uh, Mr. Molina, why is it that this pastor is asking for a $60 million airplane? And I said, I have a question for you. How come Tiger Woods bought the same airplane, and Oprah Winfrey bought the same airplane, and Mark Cuban bought the same airplane, and you didn't call me for any of them? Why are you calling me when a pastor is buying the airplane? Is a pastor's job not as important as throwing a little ball down the golf course or being a journalist like Oprah or owning a basketball team like Mark Cuban? Have we come to the place where we can celebrate the prosperity of the impios, the ungodly, and we question the integrity of those men that will save one soul and one soul has the value of more than any riches upon the earth? And so they said, let's break to commercials. (laughs) Absolutely, let's break to commercials. Why aren't you asking me about the hard job that pastors do? You want to know why? Because the sheep will not answer for their pastors. The sheep, you strike the pastors and the sheep will go astray, the Bible says. There's not sheep honoring their pastors, even though the Bible says so. And here Peter is writing, listen, I'm an elder in these affairs and I exhort you. Because I saw how Christ suffered and I also will partake of his glory that will be revealed. I want to be in the fight because I want to be in the reward. Verse 2, who are those that want to be in the fight and in the reward? Those that are willing to shepherd the flock of God. You see a champion, you see him shepherding. You see him concerned about God's people. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Listen, I refuse to shepherd a goat. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm trying to figure it out the whole time. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Because you're not wasting my time. You won't waste one single breath of my words upon your life if you're a goat. One man came here to our church and he started stealing from all the families. Hey, lend me $5,000. I'll pay you back next week. Hey, lend me $5,000. He stole over $20,000 of our congregation without anybody knowing. He was just... Asking people, listen, I want to tell all of you at the same time, do not give anyone one penny. I don't care what he's going through. You have him talk to me. I didn't get no amens, but that's fine. If they steal from you, it's your fault. You're not supposed to borrow anybody any money. I don't care if their mortgage is due, if their rent is due, if their electricity is gone. They're probably supporting some drug addict's son across the street. And not paying their light bill. That happened to me once. I paid this lady's light bill. And then the next day she says, could I have some more next month for my light bill? And I said, well, let's talk about your finances already. And she says, it's none of your business. (laughs) It's none of my business and I'm paying them. I think it's part of my business. And I found out she was sending a check every month to her lazy son who was 26 years old who didn't want to work. So when we're out of order, we have things that are out of order. So this man stole $20,000. I said, listen, it's already been five families. You stole $5,000 from each family, and you haven't paid any of them back, and you keep on asking for money. So the next time you ask one more family for money, I'm going to know that you're not a sick sheep. You're a goat. You're a wolf. You're a predator. And he goes, I promise I'm not going to do that again. Five days went by, and down the street, Five days later, he's asking another family for another $5,000. I had to tell him, you're not invited to come back to this place because you're a predator. You come to devour the sheep. It's there in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that Paul says, be careful with those that are not going to. Our position here is shepherd the flock of God. Let's go to Acts 20, 28. Pay attention and watch yourselves and to all the flock amongst which the Holy Spirit has appointed you to oversee. Take heed to yourselves. Don't come here with the vantage point that this is all about you because we're taking care of God's flock. Amongst the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God because he purchased it with his blood. It's the price of Jesus' blood that allows us to be here as his sheep. And that's why we're to shepherd the sheep. 1 Peter 5 2 says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. We're watching. Uh, we were, the young lady decided she would go have a boyfriend, and so the boyfriend came to the church. And and she told the young man, listen, uh, you have to sit down with my pastor. So she sat down with Pastor Mediero in Mexico. And I happened to to be there on vacation also uh, on one of my mission trips. And and so come over. And we sit down before this young man. And um, we said, listen, we hear that you want to marry this young girl. And and he had the audacity to say like this, "Um, excuse me, I I have a question. Yes, what's your question? Um, This is none of your business. You want to take one of our daughters and it's none of our businesses? Well, or how, how about if it, it stops being any of your business, right? Because you want to take that which is most precious to us, our daughters. Overseers, serving as overseers. The one that oversees is one that looks a little bit beyond the timeline. Not because somebody is forcing you to. Remember, not by compulsion. Nobody is making us doing this. We're we're doing it willingly. That's why we're not getting stressed out about it. It's something that we have said we'll take on that responsibility. We'll take on that challenge. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not, listen, uh, financially rewarding. There is no money in the world that you can pay to have somebody shepherd the, the, the flock of the Lord. The intensity. Uh, I have some pastors that come up and say, "Listen, I want to become an associate pastor with your church. What are the working hours? Nine to five? Uh, put in an little hour before eight to six. How about 24/ 7? How about phone calls at three o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, two o'clock at night? Visitations till 12 o'clock? Uh, uh, you call, you call. Uh, a doctor, you say, excuse me, doctor, I have an illness and I would like an appointment in your office. No. Um, in our day and age, people don't want to come to the pastor's office. Could you meet me at my house? Could you meet me down the street in a restaurant? Could we meet at a park because uh, I'm scared to to go to the church and go to your office? So you go see an accountant to his office, a doctor's office, his lawyer's office, but a pastor, you want him to come. Oh, I'm not going to meet with the pastor. He doesn't want to come over to a house. He doesn't want to meet with us down the street. And the mercies of God allows us to do these things, people. But the truth of the matter, it's insane and it's absurd. Pastor, um, one man called, you need to help me save my marriage. I said, okay, anytime you want to meet. He says, well, I'm working, so I really don't have any time to meet. I said, it's anytime, nine to five. He goes, I work nine to five. I was six to ten. No, I go to the gym during that time. I'm like, okay, call me when you stop being crazy. How about that? <laughs> when your insanity wears out, then we'll meet. How about that? That's, that sounds good. Not by compulsion and not for dishonest gain. Um, eagerly. Uh, that word eagerly to me uh, is what represents our church. 24-7, 365 willing to meet with people that are in crisis on their terms, that they might find the mercy and the grace of God. Verse 3, not being Lord, not being Lord. From time to time I have people call and they say, uh, aren't you going to call so-and-so? I said, no, I'm not going to meddle. I'm not going to meddle in their life. They, they should know when they call 911, when they call, when they need help. I'm not going to force my way into anybody's life. I don't have time to play investigator. What's it called? CIA, FBI, Secret Service. Careful the pastors coming after you. Bad boys, bad boys. (laughs) I don't have time. If you want to be a wayward son, if you want to be prodigal, your sin will find you out soon enough. I'm not going to be your boss. I'm not going to lord over. These, these are all the things that we need to talk about because uh, they're, they're descriptions of what a shepherd does. Uh, a lot of people were used to the Romans uh, bossing them around in biblical times. And, and Jesus came up with another vantage point. He says, look, this is not going to be like the Romans. They're not going to knock down your house and come looking for you and making you to be a bandit. They're not going to come and force their lives upon you. Uh, I need to find that verse here. Um, he says, be careful that you don't think that this is the aspect. Of, if they're not knocking on my door and they're not calling my phone, it must be that everything's all right. I, I want to tell you everything's not all right. But that doesn't mean that we're going to lord over you like the Gentiles. We're not going to sit there and be commando like the Romans. We're going to do our job, but it's not going to be Matthew 20, verse 25. Our, our position as heads of state, if you will, as the maximum authority in the church it's not like the rulers of the Gentiles who lord over them, who abuse them, who make them submit. Grab a stick and come on. Cock, cock, cock. We're not in that mode. Not like the rulers of the Gentiles who exercise uh, uh, lordship over them and those that are in great authority over them. Who are great in exercising authority of them. Um, listen. If you don't show up at trial here in Dade County, I'm a lawyer. What happens to you? Bench warrant. What's that mean? They're going to find you, arrest you, and bring you back. That's not going to happen at church. If you go AWOL and you decide that you're going to be fleeing and you're going to be living the thug life, that's up to you, my friend. The life in the spirit is a voluntary heart bowed down before Jesus Christ. Amen. And no devil in hell will keep you away from worship. Verse 26. Not like the rulers of the Gentiles. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to uh, uh, excel to greatness amongst you. Let him live as a slave. As a servant. Nobody is bossing you around. You should be surrendered. Your will should be surrendered at the feet of Jesus. You are his slave. I'm not your taskmaster. I'm not obligating you to attend, to worship, to serve, to be faithful, to care, to have your affections involved in these affairs. One of the things about the whole concept of Christianity is elicited from the flow of love. And some of you are so selfish, you don't know how to love. It's all about you. If I can make it, if it's convenient, if I have nothing else to do, if nothing interrupts me, then I'll serve Jesus. See, that's how it works. Me, myself, and I. And then maybe Jesus. Some way, somehow. Hey, your pastors are always here. Every time you come. Uh, We had the example of Alex. Alex comes, and then he leaves for five years. And then he comes back in God's mercy, and he tells Caracol, Don't take me back to that guy. Don't take me back to the guy who has a sword in his. You know what that is? That's God's faithfulness. And I believe a million times we leave, and the voice of the shepherd will continue to call us. He desires to put it all on the line right there, the cross, a reminder it cost him his life. He took it serious. How about you? He took it serious. And so this is, it compels us, the Bible says, Paul says, there's something that's inside of us that brings us to the feet of Jesus. A lot of people have been asked this question, who makes you go to church so much? Who makes you go to church so much? Are you kidding me? Who makes you go to the nightclub so much? Who forces you to go to happy hour five days a week? Your devil, your shepherd, your pastor of your soul who's taking you to hell, that's who? We can't stand up and say, you know why? I'm in love with Jesus. And Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there, and he wouldn't miss a service if his life depended on it. He's here all the time. We're here 911. 911, 911. God's not into 911. God's into 24 7, 365. Not compelling. 1 Peter 5, verse 3. Not lords. But being examples. This is, this is what you guys have to see. Not being lords to those that God has given you, but being examples to the flock. Imitate the shepherds, imitate their lives, imitate their priorities, imitate their investment. Let them be examples to the flock. Uh, that's one of the things that disqualifies shepherds in this place. We, we used to have an under shepherd, a youth pastor. A youth pastor jumped on his motorcycle and took off. And a cop, woo, 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 and and woo, 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 he throws his motorcycle, he hides in the brush, and they arrest him. Take him to jail. He comes to church, he says, pastor, you're saying that I'm a criminal? I said, no, son, I'm not saying you're a criminal. Fleeing the scene of a crime. You're not a criminal, son, but I know you're not a pastor. I know you're not a criminal, but I know you're not an example to the young people that you say that you're shepherding. So he gets upset and leaves. We have a responsibility to be an example, to model behavior. Uh, Those of you that have a desire to be champions for the Lord and shepherd his sheep, start doing it in the little things. Start being an example In your lives, in every expression of being something that people could imitate and follow your example. That speaks about character. Verse 4. Why? Why would we waste our time? Because when the chief shepherd shows up, when the chief shepherd appears, when um, Clarita has a word for this, el bravo. When the, when the main man shows up, you're going to receive a reward. When the chief shepherd shows up, you'll receive the crown of glory that will not fade. So these men that are shepherding you as we celebrate pastor appreciation are those that start off small. You'll see them start off small like in, uh, David did in Psalm 78, verse 70. This happens to be my favorite Bible verse. Psalm 78, 70, he says that God chose David, his servant. First, you're a servant. And he took him from the sheepfold. He was surrounded by the sheep. That's where God is looking for his men. Those that that carry the concerns of the sheep of the Lord. He gave his life for the sheep. He took David, who was serving, who was at the sheepfold. He was gathered around with God's sheep, being faithful to his father. Verse 71. And there, he followed the young sheep... And as he followed the young sheep, God brought him to the promotion of shepherding his people. Oh, We used to say that, that these men that are going around carrying stuff. You know, if you're, if you're serving in the house of the Lord, they say, look, bring me the box of Kleenex. So you bring the box of Kleenex. Listen, you know why you bring the box of Kleenex? Because it might weigh, it might bother you, and you get mad with the box of Kleenex. You dummy, you weigh too much, and, and you hit it. And it's not affecting but one day it'll be a sheep. And you can't mistreat his sheep. So he starts with, with this, with carrying burdens, with being faithful with things. And then it says he took him from shepherding sheep to shepherding his people. He became the king of Israel. He became a leader of God's people to shepherd Jacob, his people, and his Israel, his inheritance. A nation. It goes from sheep sheep. To a tribe, to a nation, promotion. Verse 72, and there he was able to lead. He shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, his sentiment, and the skillfulness of his hands. Abilities and talents, spiritual insight and integrity. Let's stand this afternoon. And we've scratched the surface a little further understanding world-changing shepherds. So that you can see the intensity of trying to shepherd God's people. And today you find yourself sitting in the house of God as a sheep, as a predator, a wolf, as a goat. Apathetic, selfish, you only care about yourself. It was was so powerful. When when this church got started, I was practicing law. I had, I had won a case, and my attorney's fees were $50,000. One case, one check, $50,000. How many want that type of blessing in one day? And my greatest joy was not making that money, but carrying tons of money to the house of God to buy our first microphones, our speakers, our chairs. To make sure that this church reflected the heart of my prosperity out of this church. That as God gave me great victories. As God gave me great pursuits and and triumphs in the world. I could come down and bow down before my God. And offer my best offerings to the Lord of glory. I I pray that that I have many people that follow my example. That are able to honor their God with the exploits. I love to see men that come and tell me, well, I used to have 500 employees. I was making a million dollars a year. And then they come to the house of God and say, I'm broke, poor, I don't have anything. I need food. I'm like, why don't we serve God in the splendor of our glory? While God is prospering us and blessing us and bringing us up, we do not honor the Lord and we do not honor his leaders, his shepherds. We have deficiency, dysfunction in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that we were able to surrender. I pray that we would have right relationships with healthy people. I often tell people that I'm counseling in our, our pastor's counsel, Who is giving you advice? Who's helping you make good decisions? And they don't have anybody. They come up with this brilliant answer. Me, myself, and I me myself and i we all four of us made that decision me myself and i i consulted with the satanic trinity and i come up with a conclusion that i'm not living for god i'm not being beneficial to my wife to my children i don't prosper i don't increase i'm not going to green pastures i'm not going beside still waters i'm not anything but fearful As I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Father, today we pray that you would give us your heart. That we would understand that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That when we're in right relationship with the men and the women that you've put in our life, there's a blessing of peace, prosperity, purpose, significance. That you have plans for us that our eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Nor has it entered into our hearts the things you've prepared for those who love you. You asked Peter three times, do you love me? And he was, in, he was not able to respond in line, in alignment with your heart to take care of your people. That as we live for you, Lord, we're being faithful and we're being connected and we have relationships with those men you have put upon the earth with the difficult task of shepherding the sheep of your fold. And we do so, Lord, not as one seeking dishonest gain, not lording over the sheep, not trying to be the boss, because we know that you are the chief shepherd, and the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We want to give our lives for that which you most love, Lord. Allow our hearts to be in the house of God. Allow us to celebrate this week, Sukkot, Lord, and be friendly and hospitable to others, inviting them to our homes as we we celebrate the vast expanse of your provision over our house, Lord, and those that we invite, that they not be able to pay us back, that what we do for others is not based on the reward we receive from them, but the reward we receive from the heavens. And Father, at last, we ask you to forgive our sins for they are many. Wash us with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse us and make us white as snow. Allow us to have a transparency in our conscience that we purpose to one thing, to honor and to please you all the days of our life, Lord, that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever and that mercy and goodness would follow us all the days of our life. We give you thanks for the house of God. We give you thanks for the shepherds you put in this house, for their wisdom, their hard work. The expressions of reward that they stand to receive. We pray that you would bless our children, our families, our finances. Our ministry would be known throughout the whole world. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, 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 and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.